2: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and I'm here today with City Hall reporters J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles to give a preview of the mayoral election. Guys, you've been all over the campaign trails. Thank you so much for taking some time out to join us today.
1: Thanks, Greg. Thank you.
2: So let's let's get right to it. We're a day out of the race. Thousands of people have already early voted, but... Many, many more have yet to vote, and we'll see how many of them actually show up. Um, turnout's not expected to be particularly high at all this cycle. Um, how would you sum up the state of the race?
0: A marathon. <laughs>
1: I agree with that.
2: And you're, and you're saying that because this is just round one. Um, no one's expected to get a majority of the vote on Tuesday's election, which means that we'll be facing a runoff at the end of the month between the two top vote getters. And The dynamics already seem pretty clear, don't they, J.D.?
1: Right. Many of the candidates have spoken in the last week or two about how they expect a runoff. Uh, None more than Kasim Reed, former mayor Kasim Reed, running for a third term leading the city. And he has already been, uh, you know, pitching uh, himself uh, as a chief critic of city council president Felicia Moore. He said at an event last week that he expects him and Felicia Moore to be in a runoff on November 30th and has, you know, been criticizing her specifically more than the other candidates. So that dynamic is already starting to play out, and perhaps a preview of the runoff if they are the top two vote-getters.
2: Yeah, I want to get to that in a little bit, Will, because it's, it's looking like that's the dynamic. But you've got three other well-known contenders who are doing their very best to kind of muscle selves, themselves into that runoff position.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And to JD's point, so former Mayor Kasim Reed Kasim is. Adamant, right? It's like he has his own special crystal ball, and he says there's going to be a November 30th runoff, and it's going to be me versus Council President Moore, as as destined by the stars or whatever. But to your point, Greg, I mean, we still have two other council members in the race, Andre Dickens and and Antonio Brown. Uh, we we spoke to both of those candidates. They're both very Dickens, more so than Brown. Uh, they're they're optimistic that we're gonna that we're gonna see some results uh, this week. In the uh, election, that are going to be favorable for uh, Dickens. Um, Brown just wants po- folks to participate because you know he is aware of this low ter- voter turnout. You know, Attorney Sharon Gay. Uh, you know, she told us she's told JD recently. You know, anything could happen. So, um, you know, they're not they're not going to sleep just yet.
1: That's right, and a lot of that's going to come down to turnout because the question is going to be: Can some of those lower polling candidates, especially like Andre Dickens and and Sharon Gay, can they get enough people to turn out? Uh, that are enthusiastic and maybe have been undecided in, in previous polls, but but get motivated uh, to, to vote in this race. And maybe their argument is that there's so many voters out there who, according to our polls, have heard of Felicia Moore and know about Kasim Reed, but they, they don't like them and they don't want to vote for them. And so they're hoping that those people are the ones, enough of those people turn out on, on Tuesday uh, to propel them into a runoff spot.
2: So you, you guys are closer to this race than anyone in the, in the newsroom and. and, and- pretty much anyone in Atlanta, if there is a, a, a late charge, if there's a, a dark horse that you, who can make a, a sudden run for for that second spot, um, who do you think it could be?
1: I think Dickens, just based on what some polls have shown, um, they haven't been uh, the AJC commission polls. Uh, some of them have been de- independent. Some have been uh, commissioned by his campaign or other campaign, but in, uh, in there have been several polls where, where he's shown uh, a comp- uh, you know he's in a competitive spot for that, that third position or second position, excuse me.
2: Well, what's so shocking about all these polls is the high number of undecideds that, that hasn't really gone down. The AJC poll was basically unchanged when it comes to undecideds, 40% of the electorate still undecided. And other outside polls and other media polls that we've seen have also shown a huge number of undecideds. I, I don't know how to account for that. I mean, it's felt like four years ago and the polls showed four years ago, people were a lot more polarized. And maybe that was because it was more a a racial, a a, a leading black candidate against the leading white candidate. You had the sort of Republican partisan factor of Mary Norwood being seen as like the GOP candidate, even if she never embraced that label herself. But in this race, you just have a lot more, even though there's big names like Kasim Reed and Felicia Moore in there, it seems like it's a lot more up in the air for people.
0: Absolutely, Greg. I think it's a mix of a, a lot of things, right? I think we have this uh, this kind of gumbo uh, in, in Atlanta, not to pick on my, my New Orleans bona fides, but you basically have this gumbo of, um, you know, folks seeing all of these people up for the mayor's seat. People know Kasim Reed. People know Felicia Moore. People recognize those names. So, that they you know, and of course you have folks like uh, Councilman Antonio Brown. He's kind of one of the newer folks in, in, in this race, but all these people, the main leading candidates, like we recognize them. And I think there's some fatigue about that. I also think there's some fatigue about the fact that we just had uh, elections almost back to back. We had the elections for president last year. We mm-hmm. had earlier in January, um, uh, December, January, we had the runoff, right, for for, for the Senate mm-hmm. seats. And now after this election next year, we got to jump into, uh, again, an, an- another election for uh, governor, for um congressman ralph warnock's warnock seat um and then you know n- all, not for nothing but once 2023 comes around we're going to start seeing people start to rally for the uh 2024 presidential election so i think it's a mix of voter fatigue and a lack of enthusiasm for the candidates and some other things like race and what have you like you mentioned changes in the dynamics uh demographics of the city
2: you know jd this is only anecdotal evidence but readers and 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 voters have told me that they see far fewer signs than they expected for the candidates, but they're seeing plenty of signs, either pro or con, for Buckhead City all over town.
1: Right, and that's especially true in in Buckhead. I was driving through the other day and was was struck by the amount of, of Buckhead City signs. And I think that's kind of also become a factor in the election uh, for this year, but also in some ways um, a, a distraction from the from the election because so many people are putting this uh, you know effort into. Talking about Buckhead City or fighting it or being in favor of it, and so you see a lot of uh, a lot of people saying in Buckhead, you know, let's let's focus on the election. Don't forget we you know we're going to the polls in, in a week or two, so um, that's definitely become a big factor this year.
2: And, and well, Buckhead is only one of many many issues at stake during these elections. I mean, talk a little bit about how important they are, and which is frustrating too when you see low turnout because these are
0: elections that could define our region for the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if it feels like everything is at stake in Atlanta for this election, in many ways, that, that is the case, right? Not for nothing, we're still dealing with the coronavirus. So the next mayor has to um, leave the city without throwing us into uh, a, a deeper uh, infection rate than we're already, already dealing with. Of course, we still have this crime, right, which is what um, what a lot of people argue is what spurred the Buckhead succession movement is the fact that we have these historic rates of, uh, of, of shootings and, and, and killings. Um, and then, of course, we have housing, right? Housing is definitely an issue, affordable housing, uh, issues of gentrification and just flat out displacement, which can be separate from gentrification. Uh, I, I think at the end of last month, at the end of October, we really started to notice uh, some folks uh, speaking out about uh, issues of displacement, particularly in People's Town, and this has been a long-standing issue, and it's it's starting to um, raise its head, and it's probably going to it's going to continue to be an issue after the, the next mayor is elected. So, JD first, and then and then Will uh, during the election night.
2: What are you most closely watching as you as you look at the returns?
1: I'm going to be looking for turnout and i'll be looking to see if anyone can catch felicia moore and kasim reed in those top two spots or if it looks more like what our polls were showing where they're the runaway favorites
0: and will yeah i agree with jd i'm also just going to look at the lines i mean as we get down to the last hour the last 10 minutes before polls close i want to see how many people are still in in the lines i want to see if uh uh Municipal leaders, uh, election officials—they're going to make sure every person who's in line before, you know, it times up. If everyone gets a chance to vote, um, this is going to be the first major election since uh, Senate Bill 202 was passed. And you know, as journalists, we want to make sure that we're cognizant of uh, whether or not everyone had a chance to vote and if the new voting law has uh, impacted anyone's ability to vote.
2: That is a very good point because this is the first major election where sb202 is in place and we've had you know some dry runs in this essentially with 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 uh state house special elections and and and, and votes like that but this is the first major election that will draw tens of thousands of voters um, with this new law in place and you can read all about that in the, in the ajc um you know four years ago it was a lot easier to be to, to sort of try to prognosticate based on the returns because you knew Kathy Woolard was going to do really well in East Atlanta. You knew Mary Norwood was going to do well in North Atlanta. You knew Keisha Lance Bottoms and, you know, Kwanzaa Hall and, and other candidates were going to do well and Caesar Mitchell were going to do well in certain parts of, of, of near downtown Atlanta and South Atlanta and Southwest Atlanta. But now there's not a really clear geographic advantage for these candidates. So it'll be, it'll be fascinating watching the, the map sort of fill in
1: Definitely, and we, the AJC did a, a project that came out last week where we mapped all of the contributions to the campaigns, which is kind of the closest thing we can get right now to predicting what, what areas of town will go for which candidates based on where they're putting their financial support. Based on that, it looks like Kasim Reed will perform fairly well in southwest Atlanta, um, and Felicia Moore will perform fairly well in on the north side, uh, in Buckhead especially. Um, but it's, it's a question of whether, you know, Andre Dickens or Sharon Gay, can they make enough headway either on the east side or in in some of those pockets of southwest Atlanta to to inch away at that support?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we we touched on this earlier, but both former Mayor Reed and Council President Felicia Moore are kind of acting like it's a two-person head-to-head matchup already, right? They're already acting like as if, Reed more so than Moore, but as if it's a done deal.
0: Yeah, and it's not a done deal, right? I mean, Anything could happen. Uh, Of course, we already have people who voted during early voting. But, you know, that's not going to stop Miss Susan Jane from waking up at 630 uh, tomorrow morning and saying, hmm, I didn't vote for anyone yet. I was leaning toward this person, but I'm going to vote this way. Right. I mean, anything could happen. Maybe it rains tomorrow. (laughs) Right. Like something. It's not over yet until. All the votes are counted until everyone has cast their ballot before uh, time is up to do so. So, I mean, you know, it's it's it, this is still a wide open race. Uh, and it's uh, effectively a referendum on all of the folks who have held office currently or, or, or previously, which, which means Mr. Reid.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with polling being so kind of odd in the way that it is with so many mm-hmm. people still being undecided in our latest poll. I was looking back at polls from four years ago and it was not it was not nearly the case. Support was fairly widely spread among the top six candidates. Um, very few people undecided, a few people moving around. but So it was a very different landscape, and I believe it was easier to predict the outcome of the general election four years ago. Greg, you were here, so you might be able to speak to that, but it feels like it's a very different landscape.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, four years ago, it was Keisha Lance Panos who made that late charge. She was fifth, sixth in some of those early, early polls, and And it wasn't like she had wrapped up Mayor Reed's endorsement. Mayor Reed was not talking badly about her. He was not talking junk about her like he was some other candidates he didn't like, but there was two or three other candidates who he was kind of uh, remaining somewhat neutral or positive about. So it wasn't until she got his endorsement and she got his full-throated support, but also, um, you know, a lot of the African-American civic community rallied around her near the end of that general. And then, the runoff was, <laughs> was insane because you had this coalition of sort of anti-bottoms candidates all come together from disparate factions in, in the Atlanta world, um, all coming out against her. And it was impossible to predict what would happen. And what ended up happening was, you know, the most a second, second election in a row where the, the margin was less than a thousand votes, which, again, is very, very rare.
1: And the 2017 election is also being brought up again this year by Kasim Reid. He's predicting that if he and Felicia Moore go to a runoff, that all of the other opponents uh, will will rally and their supporters will rally behind Felicia Moore. And he has said he said at a press conference last week, like you saw how that turned out four years ago. So he's kind of already digging that up as kind of to, to provide this narrative um that, that he can be successful again. yeah
0: reed reed's calling them a, a, a cabal or a gang that's coming against him <laughs> uh who, no matter he he says he's going to be in one of the uh folks in the roundoff slot and whoever else is against him uh that whoever being more they're basically going to gang up on him <laughs> so we'll we'll see right it'll be reed verse yeah basically right? and is kind of what it was <laughs> yeah
2: well, guys, it's going to be a long couple days for you. Um, I know that the AJC has sort of round-the-clock coverage, albeit Felicia Moore's campaign party. Jeremy Redmond will be at Kasim Reed's. We have got reporters at Antonio Brown's, Sharon Gaze, and Andre Dickens. We've got reporters at polling stations all around the city. We've got reporters watching how the election law is going to be, uh, not just in Atlanta, but in other municipalities. Uh, we're watching the Sandy Springs mayor race, the Johns Creek race. Uh, the, the Tucker race. So <laughs> we're, we're all over Metro Atlanta covering this for you. Where will you two guys be?
1: I'm thinking I'll be in the newsroom. I'm on, I'm on writing duty, um, rather than being out and reporting. So I think I'm going to be in the newsroom, but still haven't decided that for sure yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with JD. I, I want to do some writing, but I really just want to get out there. I want to, like I said earlier, I want to see what's happening. Uh, as we're coming down to the wire, you know, 10 minutes to go before polls close. What do, what do polls look like, you know, in the morning, in the middle of the day? So I'm going to be out and about uh, like I am right now, just trying to talk to people, see who they want to vote for, what issues are important to them. Because, um, you know, we've been talking to people for months about this and tomorrow is is the big day. Right. So uh, or at least part one of the big day, which is all of November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah big months so uh this is this is a really important time for Atlanta, and I just want to talk to uh the people, the people who are voting for for our next leaders and, and see where their head is at. and
2: one thing I can't believe we didn't even mention is the election night will coincide with game six of the World Series and the chance for the Braves to clinch their first championship since nineteen eighty five against the Houston Astros in Houston. So there'll be some divided attention from Atlantans. I will be one of them watching the returns and the game at the same time, but it'll be worth it. Same. Yes. And thank you two for joining us on the latest edition of the politically Georgia podcast race for city hall edition. Um, We will be back to talk about the outcome of the race and maybe the outcome of world series very shortly. Go Braves. Go
0: Braves.